It's a joy to have Darren Adams and Sherry Adams with us for you who might be new to our midst. They are not guests, they're part of our family. They were literally raised here and we feel very proud of them. Darren just finished his master's in music and they are both walking very closely with the Lord and have gifts to bring him glory. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we pray for those who might be in a wilderness experience this morning that you'll use these promises to heal them and to bring them hope. For those not in a wilderness, I pray you'll use these promises as data to put in their hearts for when the wilderness comes to give us resources when we need them. We give you these moments now and pray your Holy Spirit will take control in Jesus' name. Amen. Lloyd Ogilvie was speaking at a conference in which everyone was given a badge, and the badge read, I've got them too, what are yours? And this led to some very direct and intimate sharing. You see, it's true, we all have problems, challenges, burdens. We all have fears. That's a fact of life. Years ago, I preached the sermon entitled, Surviving a Wilderness Experience, and I want to revisit the wilderness again this morning, defining a wilderness experience as follows. A wilderness experience is any happening that makes us feel far from God. Loss of a job, moral failure, trouble in our family, death of a loved one, physical or emotional illness, hyper-stress at work. All of these and many others can be sort of like triggers that drive us into a wilderness of feeling separated from God, beyond His care, unable or unwilling to trust that God really knows what's happening to us or is willing or can do anything to help us. We just feel abandoned. Traveling companions for such a time include anger and doubt, fear, grief, discouragement, depression, desperation, temptation. And so this morning I want to have a study two of what I would call my life verses. I have one of them on my business card. Promises that summarize the help God offers to believers when we find ourselves caught in such a time where we feel separated from God. And if you're not in an experience like that this morning, you will be. It's part of being a believer. It's part of being a human being. So first, I want us to know that when we walk through a wilderness experience, God says we don't walk alone. God is with us even if we can't believe it, even if we don't feel it's true. And the fact that he's with us makes all the difference. Our text says, so do not fear. Why? For I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I am your God. I still am in spite of the evidence to the contrary. I'll strengthen you and I'm going to help you and I'm going to uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's God's promise. Last month was a very unusual month for me in that it was filled with moments of unusual stress. So much so that at one point I can remember I put my head on my desk and said, okay, God, it's your turn. These issues, these challenges, these decisions are just too big. I can't do it alone. I'm sinking under the pressure. Help me. And then the very next day, we were all standing out in front, and our friend Dale had this fatal accident. And that really drove myself and staff into this wilderness of wondering, God, we just asked for help, and that isn't help. And you just kind of feel abandoned. You, want, you, you reach out and he's kind of not there for a while because you're numb. But you know, happily the good news 
is that when we're in these situations where we feel we just can't handle it any longer, God is still there. He does hear uh, our prayers, our cry for help, when we're in over our heads, when problems seem beyond solutions, when grief is just so bad it hurts, you can't describe it. God knows we wrestle with fear. And God says, I'm with you in those desperate times of need, and you don't have to feel it in order for it to be true. I'm still there. And that fact can be kind of like leverage against all the fears, stress, burdens, whatever you might have brought with you this morning. God knows and he cares. There's not just a God in control of the universe and the world. There's a God, a personal God in control of you and your destiny. It's sort of like a lo loving father. He gives this inner assurance. And maybe this is the message you need to hear from him today. Don't panic. I'm here. I am your God. And I have infinite resources at my disposal. I have solutions, and I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to help you. So calm down. Let me do it my way in my timing, but I'm coming, and I'm going to help you. Having this certainty that God is with us means that we expect him to intervene in our situation. We don't know how and we don't know when, but we know he will. He's going to exert supernatural power to accomplish things beyond anything we can even imagine, perhaps anything beyond which we can even ask for in prayer. According to the text, to be upheld by God's righteous right hand refers to that indescribable inner peace that comes to our soul when we are reminded that somehow underneath are those everlasting arms. And we, we, we have new assurance, you know, our ship isn't going to sink. The problems, they do have solutions, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary. Maybe the best way to describe it, it's sort of like Peter who got out of the boat to walk on the water and he looked at the waves and he began to sink, but then he got his eyes on Jesus and he was able to walk on the water. I think when we reach that point of understanding God's righteous right hand, the under, underneath of the everlasting arms, we change our focus from the pain and the problems and the impossibilities and we put them on God and that change of focus changes everything else. Suddenly, everything becomes solvable. Often at night when I find myself tossing with anxiety, and I've been doing a little of that lately, God gives me an awareness of this closeness. It might be a verse from scripture that comes to mind or a new insight or a, re a memory of where he intervened somewhere in my past. And somehow that reminder that God is with me in these wee hours of the morning recharges my soul. And I feel a new confidence that together, God and I, we can face anything. Giants don't look so big. As Paul the Apostle reminds us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an incredible promise? We can do all things, not in ourselves, but through Christ who strengthens us, and God's going to supply all our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. What more do we need to know? Knowing, believing that God is with us is the secret for supernatural living. And many of us need supernatural strength to cope with life. It enables a believer to expect the impossible when the impossible seems impossible. It's to hold expectations of, that God has solutions that are beyond the limits of our intellect and personal competence. It's knowing God is with us in the wilderness. And you know, what I hope for you today is it's happened to me this week. 
a wilderness when we know God is there, instead of being a time of panic and abandonment, becomes an adventure. It's a time when we expect God's miraculous interventions. We're not on our own. We're about to see a, a climax, a conclusion, an intervention that's beyond our wildest dreams. And I can tell you just personally, between Thursday and the trauma we all had, and my preaching today is exactly one of those happenings where God can take us from an absolute point of powerlessness and hopelessness to power and hope and joy. It's real. This leads to a second truth. Because we're not alone in difficult times, we don't have to be filled with fear. Why? Because God has some future plans for us. Listen to another great promise from Jeremiah. God speaking. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and to give you a hope. That's what you're here today for. That in spite of going on, uh, what's going on in your life, God's going to tell you, I still have plans for you and they're good. And, they're, and it's to give you a hope and it's to give you a future. The future is bright. What good news when we're in situations where it feels like all of our plans are going down the drain. Have you ever been there? Where, you're, where, where life is just so shredded, you don't see how anything can possibly ever come back together and be good. When we're too tired and too overwhelmed to pray or even too angry at God to pray. So we're just kind of stuck. That's a wilderness. And it's times like that where God kind of breaks through our disbelief and he says, you know, I still love you and I still have plans for you and they're going to be good and I want you to have hope, not despair. It's always comforting to me somehow that Paul the Apostle, one of the greatest who ever lived, had those times. And he tells us about one of them when his problems were so big, it, it just appeared he had no future. This is what he said. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure. That's the New Testament word for hyper-stress. Far beyond our ability to endure. And we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Do you get it? We have to be sometimes in situations in the wilderness where everything looks dead and hopeless before we're even hungry for resurrection power, much less to receive it and understand it. If you're not dead, you don't need it. But he has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. That's God's answer. Paul knew God had future plans for him even though he was in this hopeless situation of sitting in a cell destined for execution. I want to assure you, God wants you today as his child to do more than simply survive difficult situations and difficult times. We're in on this world to do more than survive. Wilderness experiences are not accidents. God wants them to be times of growth, times of adventure, times of learning to trust God when all the evidence would lead us not to trust Him, to hang our hope on the future even though we have no evidence in our heads that there is a future. That's where God breaks in. You see, Peter warned us. He said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you. It isn't strange that we have hard times. One of my favorite stories about Paul the Apostle is his description of his thorn in his flesh. He never told us what it was. That, therefore, we can all identify with him. But he did ask God to heal him. 
He said three times, God, you've got to get this out of my life. I can't function without thorn. And you know what God said? My grace is sufficient for, for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. You know, we don't like that. We don't like to be weak. We don't like the answer of God saying, no, I'm not going to give you what you're asking. I'm going to let you experience my power, but in order for you to do that, you've got to stay weak. We don't like that. Max Lucado asks, what if God says no to a request we believe is non-negotiable? What if God says, I've guaranteed your future in heaven, I've forgiven your sins, and that's all you're going to get. My grace is sufficient to sustain you to cope with these lesser challenges of life. I've taken care of your eternal future, so just don't bother me about these other details. Is God's grace sufficient for you today? Would that satisfy you as an answer to this pain that's in your life? Having been given forgiveness of sins and eternal life, do we fall back into fear and complain because life is difficult? Oswald Chambers, as only he can state it, put, what does it matter if external circumstances are hard? Why should they not be? If we give way to self-pity and indulge in the luxury of misery, we banish God's riches from our own lives and hinder others from entering into his provision. No sin is worse than self-pity because it obliterates God and puts self-interest on the throne. That's a hard word, but it's a true word. But, you know, I need to tell you, the good news is God does give more than forgiveness of sins and eternal life. His grace is sufficient, but he gives so much more. Who of us have ever been in a wilderness and God left us there? That's all he gave. Who, who among us has ever had a pain and God said, forget it, I'll see you in heaven? Whatever's happening to you right now, God's plan is to prosper you, not in heaven, but right now. He has a plan for your life on the future, otherwise he would have already called you to heaven. Hope is our act of expecting God to fulfill this promise. That's the best defi definition of hope I've ever heard. Hope is the act of expecting God to fulfill his promises. Wilderness experiences are not the worst thing that can happen to us. Despair in the wilderness, that's the worst thing that can happen to us. Feeling God has abandoned us, so we abandon God. That's the worst thing that can happen to us. We who have suffered know what I mean. How many times I've heard people say, I wouldn't trade my wilderness experience for anything. I wouldn't do it again, but I know God used this experience to fulfill his plans for me and above all, to teach me to trust him. You see, wilderness experiences force us to surrender our plans and our dreams and our timing and those things that we think we have to have to find fulfillment in this life. And it leads us to confess what I confessed recently. Okay, Jesus, I surrender to you. It seems I trust you only when I get what I want and what I think I need. And I want to grow beyond that. This wilderness is teaching me to trust that your plans for me are better than mine even if I don't get what I ask you to give me. I submit again to your lordship over my circumstances, but help me with my doubts. Help me with my self-interest. Help me to believe your plans are good for my future, even if they aren't my plans. That's a tough prayer. But that's spiritual maturity. That's the key to get out of the wilderness. Whatever our personal wilderness might be today, these promises of God are clear. I will never leave you or forsake you. My plans for you are for good and not for evil, 
to give you a future and a hope. Now, before we go home, I wanted to give you one example of how these promises work with a wilderness experience that I think is common to most of us. The wilderness of feeling undeserving of God's love. Many of us come to church every week drowning in secret guilt because we can't believe God could go on loving and forgiving us after we disobey him so many times. We come to church, we confess, and we go back and we just keep committing the same sin over and over again. And we say to ourselves, God must be sick and tired of my struggles. I've gone to the well of grace too often. I don't deserve forgiveness one more time. So we sit in doubt, wondering, Lord, am I lost? Max Lucado, in his wonderful book, In the Grip of Grace, which I recommend to you, offers this insight to those who feel God has given up on us. What made us believe we deserved forgiveness the first time? Jesus knew the day we became a Christian, every sin we had ever committed, and he knew those we would still commit, and he still died for us, he still received us, he still welcomed us into his family. I think that's incredible. Our sins are never too great for God's grace to forgive and bury forever, over and over and over again. God still has good plans for our future in spite of our failures, plans to prosper and not to harm us in spite of our sins. Our repeated sins don't surprise God and they don't prohibit us from being used for his purposes. If any of you are thinking, Gerber, that's an abuse of grace, let me give you a scriptural basis for it. Remember Paul in Romans 7? He's struggling with sin and he gives this classic statement we all identify with. The good I want to do, I don't do, and the evil I don't want to do, I keep on doing. Wretched man that I am. Very important for us linguists. What's the tense of those verbs? Not past. It's a tense that's kind of unique with the original language. It's a linear present meaning the good I want to do, I, I, I just don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. And what's implied here? I did it in the past, I'm doing it in the present, and I'm going to probably keep doing it in the future. That's accurate interpretation of the text. And what's Paul doing? He's writing the Bible. He's writing the Bible, and even while he's writing the Bible, he's being used of God, and he says, I'm caught in repeated sin. I'm a wretched man. What am I going to do? Thank God for Paul, because that means there's hope for all of us that we still can be used in spite of the fact we have to dip into the well of grace all the time. You see, he gives us this anchor of hope for our trip into the wilderness of guilt. He says, I thank God for saving me through Christ Jesus our Lord. An act that was done in the past, continues in the present, and goes into the future. Max Lucado puts it this way, there is never a point at which you are less saved than you were the first moment Jesus saved you. That's grace. And that's the key out of the wilderness of feeling we're not worthy of his love. I want to tell you as you go home, nothing can separate you from the love of God that we've received in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not trauma, not the long list of whatever's going in your life, not even sin. God's unconditional, unchanging love is there. It's his final answer for any wilderness that has make, made you feel today separated from your God. I pray as we enter the summer months that God might grant us grace to see his light of hope on the other side of our wilderness. In fact, I would hope God would give us what he gave Jeremiah the prophet 
when suddenly Jeremiah in the wilderness turned to hope and joy. Listen to the contrast as I close with these words. Jeremiah is crying out from the wilderness. He's walled me in so I can't escape. He's weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. That's feeling abandoned by God. But then a few verses later, he says, the waters closed over my head. I thought I was about to be cut off, but I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit. You came near, and when I called to you, you said, don't be afraid. I'm here. You have them. I have them. We all have situations in our life that make us feel separated from God. The good news that he wanted you to know today is if you feel separated from God, he's not separated from you. He's listening, and when you call out, his response will always be, don't be afraid, I'm still here, I know what's going on, and I have some wonderful plans for your future to, that are for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. I pray the Holy Spirit might help us hear that today and then flesh it in the depths of our souls. Let's bow in prayer. Lord God, thank you for these promises. Open our eyes to believe them. Change our life even as we do, as we go forth no longer in a wilderness, but people filled with hope. In Jesus' name, amen.